welcome to the Founding Mothers Podcast, where we're imagining new ways of living with one another and our planet. I'm your host, Emily Reese. Today, we have a one-of-a-kind episode to kick off the season. I am being interviewed this time by Bobby Breckenridge. And Bobby is a transformational coach, healer, and performing artist who is a graduate of the Team Management and Leadership Program, a rigorous two-year communication and coaching training, as well as the Institute for Integrative Nutrition's Holistic Health Coaching Program. Bobby facilitates individuals and groups in living the lives of their dreams through structure, accountability, love, healing, and magic. And there's no better person to interview me than Bobby because Bobby has been my coach and good friend for a number of years now and in many ways is a key part in this podcast coming to life because she held the space in the container for me for this idea to come to fruition. So without further ado, you're about to listen to a conversation where Bobby's asking me a lot of questions about who I am, where the conception of this podcast came from, and what listeners can look forward to for the season ahead. So it was a fun one to record, a little unusual for me to be answering the questions, but I had a lot of fun with it, and I'm excited for everyone to jump right into season one with us. Welcome, everyone, to the very first Founding Mothers podcast. I'm so excited for today's inaugural episode because I have with me Bobby Breckenridge, who is, of many things, she's a dear friend, but also a performing artist, a transformational coach, and one of the co-founders of the Very Illuminating Clit Talk podcast, which everyone should check out outside of this one. So thank you, Bobby, for being here today and turning the tables and interviewing me. Oh my gosh, Emily, I am so honored to be here today interviewing the creatrix of the Founding Mothers podcast. And I love that your podcast is launching right as you launch into motherhood. Mm. Yeah. So (laughs) let's just begin with what got you here? So could you share a bit about your background and your journey up until this point? Absolutely. Um, Well, I I do actually want to start with what you highlighted, which is I am a new mother myself. And when I first kind of received the the founding mother's idea, kind of came to me in this like downloaded thought. I was not pregnant. I was not a mother. And it was actually years before, like around the time that I had met my now husband. Um, So it was years before that was even a reality for me. And that initial whisper of like the founding mothers, it was more of a question that I was left pondering, which is who are the founding mothers? And for those of us who are from the United States, you may be familiar with the founding fathers and like their prominence in our history books and kind of the origin story of the United States as we know it. Um, And I was really intrigued to understand like who would the founding mothers be? What kind of society would they create? And so that was a thread that I started pulling for several years. And I came across a wonderful mentor who just her advice was, you know, don't try to force it to be anything. Why don't you just follow it as a creative project? And so that then led to the kind of conception of the Founding Mothers podcast as a way to explore this question that came to me years ago. I love that. And who, who were you and what were you up to that this was even of interest to you. I really know you as somebody who is what I think of as an evolved feminist. And so I'm wondering if you can share just really with the audience, 
where did you come from and what kind of journey were you on previous to founding mothers, previous to motherhood? Mm. Yeah, that's that could be a, a full episode in itself, but I'll see kind of how to streamline as best of my ability. Um, I mean, my kind of journey into feminism actually began, it now feels like almost eight years ago when I was coming to terms with the fact that I was really in what I labeled like my feminine or my masculine energy rather than my feminine energy. And these terms were some things that were introduced to me actually by just living in California and Los Angeles and like going to different workshops and things. And I, I really resonated with this idea that, oh, I, I have kind of built an identity around, you know, a hard work ethic, like working really hard, being independent, kind of pushing and fighting and like planning and producing and, and that's a huge part of who I still am today, but I was really tapping into this energy of mine that did not want to ask for help, (laughs) did not want to like allow magic to happen. It was like all about how can I control and force things? And so that later then kind of propelled me to explore being in community with other women more often. I would start to facilitate women's circles, women's gatherings, women's camping trips, like all different ways of communing with women. And I found that it was so powerful just to be in space, in a space with one another, share stories, feel seen and heard by one another. This then later evolved into like another, I would say, awakening that I had around my own identity as a white woman in the United States and like the racial privilege that I had. And I I took several years kind of unlearning and relearning and then actually diving into the diversity, equity, inclusion space within corporate spaces. So Again, that facilitation coach part of me was really activated as was like the person who wanted to unlearn and relearn and help other people have these these conversations as well. And so all of that kind of comes together when this founding mother's question came to mind because one thing that I'm certain of is I don't want to kind of bucket it or, um, yeah, I guess I'll just say bucket it into this gender identity, like there's one way to be a mother, there's one gender identity, or like it has, you know, has to look a certain way, have a certain racial identity or any composition of who a founding mother should be. And rather, I want to like keep it open-ended to discover what are the different ways that mothering, motherhood shows up for all of us, regardless of how we identify, whether it's an energy, a way of being like an archetype to fall into. And Importantly, to include the mothers in this conversation and open um, kind of the aperture into different types of mothers versus like that one standardized fit. So, I mean, there's many other things that happen along my journey, but I, I highlight those specifically because I feel like they each were these moments in my life, chapters in my life where I, I opened my mind in ways that were truly transformational and have all kind of influenced the way that I'm approaching this podcast. Mm. So I love how this was inspired by just the thought of who would the founding mothers be. And I'm just so curious because it's based in a very historical terminology, the founding fathers. Do you feel like we've had founding mothers up until this point throughout the throughout history and they just simply haven't been named or known? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's, unfortunately, that's not 
the focus of the podcast, and I say unfortunately because if that's what people are looking for, they won't necessarily get that content here. My focus is more on the present moment and the future that we're creating. But I think what you're hitting on is is correct, that there are so many stories in, in women and mothers who were responsible for a number of innovations or, or the, the world that we experience today. Um, but what I'm really more curious about is who are the founding mothers today and like what new, new world is being birthed now? You know, knowing that there's a lot of things about our present society in the United States that isn't working. But rather than just staying stuck on that and focusing on that and kind of even being in this like victim mindset around of like there's nothing I can do, we can be empowered and inspired to look at what is possible. So it sounds like it's really coming from a place of a new beginning. Like who are the founding mothers beginning now and the creation of a new paradigm for the society? Yeah, beautiful. So what's your vision for how founding mothers is, is going to impact this world? Oof, um, I mean, that's part of the discovery with this particular project with the podcast is to start to uncover what that vision could be. And, and again, what feels so important to me is that there's many voices weaving that vision. There's many different perspectives and identities weaving that vision to fruition rather than that solely coming from me. So I think that's just something I wanted to state up front is as you listen to the upcoming season and the upcoming conversations that it's not about there's one right way, one right vision, but rather like all these different pieces of a vision weaving together into a beautiful tapestry that hopefully will feel resonant <laughs> to our listeners and inspire new visions to be birthed from there. So to answer your question directly, I would say my vision is one that of collaboration and co-creation and with multiple different identities speaking those visions into reality. Mm, I'm so excited that we are getting to, to start this series off with you. And I'm so glad you created the space for this episode to happen instead of jumping right into everyone else. I really feel like that's part of the new paradigm for, you know, female identifying people in this world is actually now starting centered in ourselves and then going out and being of service and contribution and reflection to everything else around us. So I'm grateful to you for creating this space for us to get into who you are in your life as part of the tapestry of what's going to be created in this podcast uh, as it rolls out. So I just want to jump in. I mean, founding mothers, I think one of the most interesting pieces of this is that this did begin before motherhood was really a feature in your life, you know, the, the conception of this podcast. And I find it just fascinating that we are recording this inaugural episode at a time when you have just given birth to a beautiful daughter. And I find this story so miraculous <laughs> <laughs> that you came to birth your very first child naturally at home with only your husband and baby present. So could you share with us that story? Sure. I mean, the high level of it is 
you know, my husband and I kind of laughed like this is an example of manifesting at work because we had intentions set. We know that birth is a wild experience. You cannot control it. Again, that's like the feminine at play. Like there's things that will just show up and we're going to do our best to just set intention and create the right space to the best of our ability and also know that things will go the way they go. And so one of our intentions was to have a natural home birth with as little interference as possible to really like welcome our child into the world as a family so that with their first kind of breath of oxygen, they would be like, oh, this is my family, this is my home. And my husband wanted to catch our child and I was like totally on board with that and excited about it. And so all those things kind of went into our intention pot. And then what ended up happening is my labor, you know, was kind of kicked off on a Tuesday night around 10 o'clock and then progressed pretty quickly throughout the next overnight throughout the next morning and the doula came to the house and kind of checked in on me and then from the doula's perspective you know I was just looking like oh I have I have like hours to go because I was sleeping in between my contractions my contractions were spacing out you know I never got um checked like for dilation or anything because my water had already broke and I wanted to be cautious of like sticking anything up there and, and the risks of infection with that so she was really just going over going off of the external situation. And it looked like all signs pointed to a labor that would go into the evening and into the next round of night. So she left (laughs) and it was just my husband and I there. And he was, you know, by my side as I was sleeping in between these contractions. And then when I woke up, I had a big contraction. My water broke again. And I was like, "This, this baby's coming. And so it was in that moment where I felt the baby making their grand arrival that the doula had left for basically a 20, 30 minute window of time to get lunch. And so I ran, I I waddled (laughs) to the bathroom where I was like, this feels like a, you know, a sensation of having to um, bear down. Like maybe I have to go to the bathroom, maybe I have to push. And so I was on the toilet when this all happened. And um, there was a lot of like, it was interesting because there was a lot of external indications of like, no, you have a ways to go. There's no one here. So my mind was very much in a skeptical space, but my body was doing what it does. And it was pushing this baby out in partnership with my daughter. (laughs) So she was making her way down very, very quickly in a matter of three pushes. I reached down and felt her head and that confirmed everything like, nope, baby's here, Charlie, get into position. And he was right, you know, right next to me, able to slide into position to catch her before she fell in the toilet. Um, And it was, yeah, a beautiful, like, 15-hour from beginning to end birth. And then we had this precious nine minutes as a family before the midwives did arrive to support with the rest of the birthing, the placenta, and and kind of everything from there. Um, So it was this miracle, in a sense, that we got what we wanted in having this special, sacred moment as a family. And, yeah, the the human body is amazing. (laughs) period. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the human body is amazing. And I also want to take a moment to acknowledge how amazing you are for being someone who created a pregnancy and an environment in which that could happen with with a, a, a relative amount of peace, <laughs> you know, that, and, and to acknowledge also 
Charlie for, for being such an extraordinary partner and for you all going to your birth classes and understanding everything that you would need to understand to have that moment without the support of what most of our society is still going to the hospital and having a huge team of doctors and nurses and machines and fluorescent lights and the whole nine. And you all chose to do something that is less common. Mm. And you were able to create this moment of, of having this birth happen, just the three of you and starting off your journey as a family in such a magical way. Yeah. I mean, thank you for, cause Bobby for our listeners was with me in that kind of pregnant journey. And she very much was a supporter. You were very much a supporter for me and um, getting into these like new ways of practicing self-care and slowing down. And so what's interesting is by the time I was in labor, it had been like rewired in my body that when it's time to rest, you rest and you just say, okay, I'm going to receive this opportunity to rest. And then when it's time to push or it's time, like literally or figuratively, when it's time to be in action, then you, then you go with that energy and not to try to like force it any other way. And so what's interesting is that was my labor experience. I was able to surrender so deeply into rest and when it was time that I fell asleep and then I was able to activate the action active part of me when that was time so much that it it moved quickly and the biggest disclaimer here is you know I don't know what parts of that actually did influence the outcome of the birth versus what was just kind of the cards we were dealt and I've listened to so many birth stories since then where it's clear that Yes, there's the factors of what you plan and how you prepare. And then there's like so much that is out of your hands. And I've been very, um, I feel very grateful for the way our story ended ended up. And I'm also like, just want to say to any mamas listening out there that like, there's nothing that's anyone's fault, right? If, if it doesn't go the way you had planned or intended. And it's kind of like, th- there's an opportunity and a gift in whatever your story is. Yeah, that's beautiful. I feel as a woman who has never been interested in birth, I was not interested in playing with baby dolls when I was growing up. It just has never been something that seemed like something that was meant for me. I have continually been in awe of watching women be pregnant, give birth, and then become mothers managing every, I mean, as we know, this world and this life is so filled with important things to do, you know, whether that's making money or running, you know, running a household or whatever are those things, or whether it's, you know, taking a child up all the subway stairs in New York City while also holding groceries and managing an older child at the same time. I've always been really blown away at the whole process and equally sort of negatively blown away by how little respect our society has had up until recently. And I would say that this is even still something that's being, you know, um, no pun intended birthed into the world now, uh, which there hasn't been an extraordinary amount of respect for mothers in the U.S. for a very long time. I don't know, in, in my lifetime, 
it was looked down upon a stay at home mother or, you know, this idea that nothing goes into pregnancy and it's just something that's happening to the woman anyway. And I really see mothers as a gateway, sort of an interdimensional gateway, if you will, between whatever, wherever a soul comes from, and then gestating and then coming onto this planet. So I really see it as this extraordinary uh, interdimensional miracle (laughs) is what it looks like from over here in the place of someone that has not given birth to a child. So I'm just really curious if you're open to kind of peeling back the curtain a little bit. And what was your experience I guess maybe this is a spiritual question. I don't know. What was your experience of this? I think you, I think you get what I'm trying to say. I do. I do. And well, I'm I'm also kind of, I want to like dive into something you did say around the, the lack of valuing motherhood, because what's interesting first to just touch on the podcast itself, the name founding mothers has the name mother in it. And I, the word mother in it. And I was concerned that that would actually shut away listeners. People would say, oh, I'm not a mom. I'm not a woman. This does not pertain to me. And for a while, I was trying to kind of disguise like the true intention of this podcast by being like, well, it's for everyone. And the truth is it is for everyone. But I also want to include mothers in the conversation. And if you kind of then pull on where that the root of that fear came from, you know, you were, again, a huge support to me in this with our EFT sessions and whatnot that I I had a lot of like deeply ingrained beliefs around motherhood that even though my heart and soul wanted to have a baby and was so excited for this next chapter of pregnancy and beyond, I was also feeling a lot of shame, a lot of fear, a lot of like self-disgust about the idea that I would become someone completely different. I would now become in society's eyes a mother and not just a woman. And that with that, I might, my fears were that I'd be like kind of outcasted <laughs> to the sides of society where like these mothers kind of collectively gather and are just like hidden heroes, you know, but, but I wouldn't feel like an hero, a hero. I would just feel like an outcast and like I'm no longer important. And there were so many other thoughts kind of branching off of that. And it was interesting to see that they lived within me and that, I needed I needed to be able to voice them first and foremost so that I could be honest, like this is something that I feel or a part of how I feel. But as I expressed it and then again worked with you through our tapping sessions to reprogram a new thought, I, I found a lot of freedom in actually just one, choosing motherhood fully, not resisting it, and then actually declaring that to be a mother is just as valuable, if not more valuable than some of these other roles I deemed important, like being a CEO or an entrepreneur. You know, these were things I was placing on a pedestal, but instead I saw, oh no, there's just as much power in being a mother. And what would it look like to have a society that also agreed (laughs) with that statement? So you go back to the, yeah, the vision question you asked me earlier. I mean, that's part of my personal vision is a world where we are valuing and centering motherhood again, in all the shapes that that takes, but then like a lot of curiosity around what that would actually look like in practice. Wow. There was so much you said in that. Um, one of the, the phrases that you used that really hit for me 
is hidden heroes and just thinking about, yes, that mothers, I mean, my only perception of mothers being truly celebrated is in Indian culture. And I'm sure there are other cultures throughout the world that do celebrate mothers uh, as a society. I'm just not personally exposed to them. Um, But I did travel in India pretty extensively and I did see that reverence for mothers and motherhood. Um, But over here, uh, in the United States, it definitely has not, it definitely has felt like the unsung heroes. And even through the media that's created here and goes out to the entire world with these tropes of, you know, the, the wise mother who is not taking up a lot of space, but always knows the truth and is always trying to guide the husband who's not listening. <laughs> And, and putting the family in hot water all the time. And there's this quiet, beautiful, kind of majestic woman in the background, always supporting, always nurturing, always caring. And a lot of times sacrificing her own personal happiness and comfort for the well-being of the family at large. And so it just brings to the fore even more for me how extraordinary this podcast is and how revolutionary it is to put uh, women at the center and specifically mothers at the center and to really celebrate mothers and motherhood because it is exquisite. It is an extraordinary task. It can be done very poorly And it can be done super magically. And whether it is done, you know, not that great, you know, for mothers who may be struggling with addiction or any other kind of, you know, trauma or other massive things, or whether it is being done, you know, super magically, in any of those cases, to me, it is always a miracle. Because when I look at how much it is for me to just manage my own life, it's sometimes quite overwhelming. And so seeing mothers always doing their best, even though best looks different for different people, um, has has really been super mind blowing. And I know you're just at the beginning really of your journey of motherhood. And I'm just curious just what it was to go into the realm of, you know, once you had conceived and knew you had conceived and knew you were pregnant, your entire pregnancy, your birth process, and now being a new mother, a nursing mother. I'm just curious, what what have you learned so far from your journey? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, well, what's interesting about that question too is, is that Yes, like there's so many things that mothers are doing, you know, in in their role and why and why that we want to value them for what they're doing. But I think like even just who you're being shifts through that through that initiation into motherhood, and and that's something I want to talk about in a minute. But um, yeah, let me just talk about that now. Actually, so so that's been the the biggest learning for me is like a shift in my beingness. So. I am no longer identifying with the person that's like doing all these things, has the to-do list, like flowing up the wazoo and checking off all these boxes. Like I really am finding a new space of freedom where I, my day is filled with just being in each moment by moment and whatever that brings because 
my daughter is not on a schedule. She's not, she doesn't have, you know, she's not, she hasn't yet been conditioned by our society's way of doing things. So, so if she's hungry, then she's hungry and I feed her and I stop whatever I'm doing to do that. And if she wants to rest and take a nap, then, then maybe I have a little more freedom to journal in that moment or do a podcast or if my husband's with her or whatnot. So I feel like my, my relationship to time has completely altered to being able to just go with the flow, not resist it or try to control it. And then find the gift in each moment as it presents itself, which is so much, it sounds so nice and like lofty. And if you're hearing this as a mom, you might be like, oh yeah, that that's, yes, I've been there before. Or you may feel like, no, I struggle to get to that space because I think there's a lot, again, of programming out there that's like, you need to get your baby on a sleep schedule and you need to kind of maintain your old life while you are this mother, rather than a conversation about like, what does it look like to have your life evolve to fit this child in it and, and kind of have you be reborn <laughs> and discover like who you are now rather than trying to be who you were before, but in this like mother trope. Um, so, so yeah, my biggest learnings have been around the being and, and I, I would have liked to have said that, oh, I now have more of a care for the world around me now that I have a daughter and I can see the impact of like future generations differently. But the truth is I felt that way before. Um, so that that's just kind of maybe solidified now that I know my daughter is going to live beyond me and what kind of world are we creating for her? Obviously that's there. Um, which is also a part of the, in the initial thought around this podcast is that I'm, I have a theory that when someone becomes a mother or a parent of any kind, there is this realization of the world existing beyond your lifetime and how can you be responsible for, for that world in a different way because your child's now living in it. It's not just about you. So there's a theory there that like from that place, you know, we would create something very different <laughs> that, that is more supportive of future generations. Wow. Did you learn anything about what, or have you learned anything about what you're personally capable of through having really gone through this initiation? And I'm, I'm, I imagine motherhood is a continual series of initiations, <laughs> but just where, where you are now. Mm, I mean, what's interesting about that question is, Again, I feel like the right answer to that would be, oh yeah, I'm capable of bringing a human life into the world and it's so amazing, but it feels so natural to me <laughs> and, and maybe because I'm so close to it. it there is a sense of the whole, the pregnancy and the birth and everything breastfeeding now that feels so natural when I get out of the way <laughs> of trying to control it and there's a real ease and kind of awe in all of that. So, so I, I think yeah, discovering that I am capable of getting out of my own way, unlike I ever have. Like in the past, I really kept trying to like get onto a different cadence and rhythm and slow myself down and like be in, I would talk often about being in the same cycle as nature. Um, and now I just am, <laughs> which I guess is a product of that whole initiation. Wow, beautiful. And I'm so curious, what has it taught you this journey so far about your partner and partnership? Well, yeah, what's what's interesting 
about that. So if you are in a heterosexual relationship and you've, you're parenting together and raising a child, like I am, I, I'm finding and my partner's finding that there actually aren't many spaces for dads and, and men like in the conversation around parenting in an empowering way. And instead, there's a lot of separation that we're noticing. And I actually think that could be probably traced back to like this mother wound around valuing mothers because there's just, it, it then ripple effects onto the men. And there's not really like a healthy way of empowering both of those roles and valuing both of those roles. So the truth is, I don't know how I would do any of this without my husband. <laughs> you know, I'm definitely capable and I've surprised myself in many regards. We did our first, my daughter and I did our first solo trip out in the world today and it was fun and easy, but he brings a perspective and an energy that balances mine and like creates a whole other realm of experiences for our daughter. He He's able to cover things that I can't do, you know, at this time, whether it's He's focusing on the income so I can be solely focused on her. Um, he's cooking a meal <laughs> so that I can be feeding her. So we we have this beautiful dance and it's going to evolve. I mean, that's back to that whole resistance thing is I was really resisting falling into some like stereotypical gender roles here and being the stay at home mama while he works. I was like, what about me and my work? And, and what I came to realize through surrendering into what's needed and what's available right now is that we live many lifetimes in one lifetime and there will be a time again in the future if I desire to go back to that old hustle of like working around the clock or I may learn through this whole experiencing that I don't want that anymore and that's kind of where I am now is I don't have any desire to go back to what I was doing before I'm, I'm inspired by where I am now and I'm still creating I'm creating this podcast I'm writing I'm still you know, expressing my voice with the world. So I haven't disappeared as I feared. Um, but yeah, that, that's a long winded way of like, there's so much that I discovered inside the partnership. And the bottom line is how grateful I am to have one that is full of communication and, and trusting one another. So I, when I first met you, and was really getting to know you more deeply I discovered that you were someone who, as, as a co-founder of a company, you were, it wasn't uncommon for you to be up until two in the morning doing emails and you were very about getting it done. And as you kind of referred to it, like being in your masculine energy. And I'm so curious in this discovery of going with the flow and all that, how is it that you are launching this podcast? How does it look different to do something like launching a podcast and having editors and getting the music done and doing all, you know, all the things that go along with actually creating something like this? How are you doing it differently now as a nursing mother than you would have done it in, in maybe your old life? Yeah, I was actually reflecting on that because I think yesterday, because one thing that has changed is I'm no longer trying to cram as much as I can into one day. So like I've released this like pressure that I put on myself to do as much as I possibly could in 24 hour period of time. Um, and instead I don't even like have a list of what I want to do that today. I know in my mind, these are things that I'd like to move forward, but they will happen in their own timing. So with this podcast, you know, I'm not trying to force a certain schedule with it. 
I, I have the intention of when I'd like this to launch and the number of episodes I'd like to have, but then I'm allowing that to happen on the timeline that it's meant to. So there's like so much more freedom and enjoyment in that because there goes the anxiety in the, in the timeline that's like creating that anxiety. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned like editor and, you know, someone who's helping me with my branding, like there's different people who are stepping up and playing roles that I'm not trying to do it all myself. And that kind of goes back to that, that element of asking for support and allowing people to, to step in and trusting that they will be able to do, bring their magic to it and having communication present when there's a misalignment and that's needed. So that's also all happening um, and I think the last piece is that like, I truly am re- getting joy out of this. So it feels like I'm filling up my own cup each time I have a conversation for this podcast. And if it doesn't feel that way, then that's a moment to reassess like what's not working here. What needs to change? Is this no longer something I want to focus on or, or whatnot? So I think that last piece is about really listening to myself as the meter for the action. Well, I feel like what you just shared was so revolutionary that I just want to see if I've got it. Because I feel like you just handed us um, a, a magic recipe of some sort. <laughs> Let's break it down. <laughs> a, a revolutionary new recipe. Um, so it's inten- having the intention of when you'd like things to happen and all the numbers and all that kind of stuff that we're already used to but then it's allowing it to happen on the timeline that it happens and that the meter for success inside of kind of each piece of it is, are you enjoying it? (laughs) And the tool you're using to gauge that is listening to yourself and really tuning in with is joy present inside of this. And if not, there's some sort of adjustment to be made so that that can be, so it can be something that's filling your cup as you do it. Yeah. And, and thanks for kind of spitting that back out to me. Cause what comes to mind when you said that is with the time piece, I had to stop promising and committing to things on a tight, tight deadline, tight timeline, because initially in the old way of operating, I was very much like, oh, I can get that done like by tomorrow, no problem. And it was like this competition I was having with myself to see how quickly I could do things and prove to people like Emily's very efficient, which is something that I was, you know, often rewarded for in corporate America. And instead, like where I'm operating from now is maybe and maybe it comes with the understanding like I'm a new mom, so I'm not gonna get back to you right away. But I am just more in a space of like you know, this will happen sometime this season. <laughs> like making the timeline broader so there's more space for that magic and, and kind of like the new things to show up versus trying to beat some personal record around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fo- have found in in my experience of knowing you, I've discovered how innovative you are with, your life. And, you know, at the time that, you know, you were identifying, okay, I am up often emailing till two in the morning and it's really not working. And then your kind of realization was that it was time to 
radically changed this and you became someone who had an autoresponder, this radical <laughs> autoresponder uh, that said that, um, and this is as a co-founder of a company, that you're only answering emails from 10 to 11 a.m. And if people had any questions about that, that they could read this in, article you had written on Medium about why that was. And just seeing you also in your partnership, realizing that that the digital world was taking over in ways for yourself personally and your social life and all these different ways. And then you all took on doing a tech Shabbat where there was just no technology present from Friday sundown to, to Saturday sundown, which is also to me, very mind blowing and inspiring and um, something that I feel like we could all learn from you about. So I'm just curious, since we're on this conversation of motherhood specifically, how do you see yourself already doing motherhood differently than you were raised to do it? Well, actually, you're bringing up the technology piece and what is coming to mind on that thought is that is how I was raised. I was not raised with a cell phone. They didn't exist at that time. And I, like, I, my mother gave me so many books to read and at a young age, like probably before the, the books would tell her to do that. So I was raised as a child who played in nature, who read a lot of books, who was writing books when I was seven years old, who was playing music, piano, dance. So expressing myself creatively with my body and my mind. And like, there was so there was like unlimited possibilities of how I could express myself. And my mom was a very creative, is a very creative person herself. And she was always there to facilitate like whatever my sister or I needed to express ourselves creatively, you know, taking theater lessons and like my sister did Irish step dancing and all of this. And, and so I actually am cherishing and holding on to that experience as something I want to preserve that now we exist in a digital age where it would be so easy for me to like hand my daughter an iPad or like just turn on the TV and, and entertain herself that way. And there may be times and places for that. But, you know, when you talk about the tech Shabbat, like that's an example of us starting to be who we want to be as parents way before the baby even showed up. Like we knew as parents in the future, we would want to experience life as a family without technology being the uniting force. And so how can we start practicing that now so that it was just who we are when our baby arrived? And, you know, and to this day, I still have to catch myself being like, oh, I've been holding the phone in my hand a lot today. Like she's starting to notice these things. And how can I maybe shift my behavior a little bit? Um, so I actually, I have to give a lot of credit to my mom because she modeled in many ways how I want to mother my child. I love that. Is there any way that you see society at large going wrong in the realm of motherhood, either how it's perceived by others or how it's typically done? Yeah, so I, this is like where I feel a little controversial and risky in sharing this because this is just my personal perspective and I'm still discovering how I feel about it and I may change my tune at some point. And I want to also leave space for all the different ways that motherhood shows up for people out of necessity or choice because, you know, the last thing I want to do is like alienate myself from other mothers or make anyone wrong. Um, we really need each other. <laughs> so... But all of that to say as like the big, long 
preamble, I, I'm noticing that like there's something we almost want, I personally think we could benefit from overcorrecting or correcting a bit is like out of this feminist wave of getting equality between men and women. And then like the, the rise of women in the workforce, which I think is so important. And like, I am very grateful for the women who came before me who fought for that. There's almost like then an over, we overshot a bit and are forgetting that like we, there is a value in us also being home with our families, you know, and, and that, the care of like another, like a hired caregiver is not the same as the care from ourselves as the mother or the father, or whatever parent. Um, and so, I mean, what I think it really stems down to for me is I, I had to fight this idea that like, again, my value really only exists if I also, if I'm a mom, but I'm also working. I'm also have like X, Y, Z title and that I'm not going to die and disappear if I'm just focusing my energy on caregiving primarily. Um, and I think I found so much freedom in that already that it's like I see it an opportunity for other mo- mothers to find that freedom as well, but it involves kind of untangling from this capitalist promise of like, if you work really hard, you're going to be someone. And instead being like, no, I am valuable just as I am. I don't need to like prove it through my job title and whatever LinkedIn profile I have. So, I mean, there's yes! a lot there. <laughs> feel free to dig in deeper because I, I even feel like I feel myself holding back as I share that, right? Like I want to be, I want to say this the correct way. I don't want to alienate anyone in this conversation. I'm still discovering what I mean here, but I, but there is definitely a strong core of truth that I am sinking into. Yeah, I mean, to I I appreciate your desire to have this be a unifying conversation, and for all mothers who may be listening to feel respected, regardless of what their choices are, even if they're doing a sixty-hour work week and a nanny is taking care of their child a majority of the waking hours. Like I one hundred percent get your commitment to being unified, and I love that, and what I'm really getting from what you're saying is not an alienation of anybody who's doing it differently, but simply an expansion that there is another dimension. It's like, yes, we have the right to work. Yes. We can choose to be in the office six weeks after we give birth or whatever. We have the right and the freedom to do that. If we so desire And if we so desire to stay home and we have the financial privilege to, which is a huge privilege that's very rare and very special, but if that does exist, that we have the setup to stay home, whether it's with our extended family or because we have a partner that's supporting us or whatever, that we can have the freedom to do that and respect ourselves and be respected in society as doing our destiny yeah and what fulfills us you know so that's really what I'm getting from what you're saying yeah I appreciate that and I and I want to clarify too I mean this is something I sit up when we're up at night with Noah like Charlie and I talk about this often and I'm trying to pick it apart because really if anything my critique if I had a critique is on society itself and how it's structured where like you do actually in many instances need both 
partner, both people to be working, to be able to afford your home and like the cost of living, the fact that that's even a thing and that it like takes so much that it takes us away from our families. And, and I also believe like not just the mother, but the father or the other parent plays such an important role that, you know, we should, I would love to see a society where it's shaped that both parents, both caregivers can be there with their children and not be kind of struggling to fit in the hours here and there around their work schedules. And, and again, I think that's because so much value is being placed on the dollar and like how to make that money and out of survival, you know, we're kind of caught in this cycle, but I really am envisioning a different society where like the family's at the center and then everything is in support of that because we all come from a family of some kind (laughs) and that's, that's the root of everything. Um, and yes, the mother, if we're to focus on the mother's role is the mother's role is so important. Like, yes, it can be kind of replaced by different caregivers and everyone has an important perspective to add to the child's development. But that mother connection is like the, the connection I think of, of utmost importance. And, and I think it's important for the mother's mental health and well-being as well to be able to maintain that connection and not be separated and having to like, you know, pump your milk so that you can leave your child. You know, there's hormones at play when you're breastfeeding, if you're choosing to breastfeed and can. Again, another thing that not everyone's able to do, but if you can, that's benefiting the mother as much as the child. So, you know, long ramble, but I feel like I always go back to the question of like, what is like, what is a natural organic way of this unfolding? And then we look at all the ways that corporations and kind of mankind has interfered with the natural way. And we've almost become more comfortable in what's unnatural (laughs) rather than what's organically natural. And that's something you would hear a lot in this podcast is a lot of the, the people who I interview bring it back to nature. And it's interesting how much that's a theme. That is so interesting as a theme. And, you know, it's it's interesting to consider that, you know, before money was invented, before time was cut into these brutal increments of 60 seconds, of second long, you know, increments, before all of that, nature was the provider of all the things you know, your job was, you know, to gather the things to, to eat and to, you know, create the shelter and to have all of those things and that all of those things were shared in community. So it, it makes sense that those, those ways of being are seen in nature. I'm just curious as we conclude this inaugural episode of Founding Mothers, what can listeners look forward to in what's being offered to them in this, what I think of as a very groundbreaking series? Well, I will say you can look forward to a variety of topics and experts and perspectives because this is about kind of looking at our society through that mother lens, but we're not just focused on one aspect of society. So everything from, you know, how our food systems to our educational systems to, you know, what postpartum care looks like, how do we nurture that mother? Um, and, and again, it's not just through the lens of, of someone who is a mother, but really for anyone who exists in society, how could your society look different from this mother lens? So, 
I'm just excited to, for, to introduce all these amazing speakers to everyone. Everyone brings such a unique perspective to this conversation. And I've, I've loved every conversation filled up with inspiration <laughs> and, and kind of like could not stop talking about it for weeks. So that's, that's something to look forward to. Well, thank you so much, Emily Rice Newmark, for founding this magnificent new addition to our listening. And thanks for inviting me to interview you. Thank you. And I want to just acknowledge you, Bobby Breckenridge, for being the space for this podcast to be born. So, you know, in the birthing world, you have doulas and midwives, and you were that for me with this podcast. You asked the right questions and held the space as my coach to give me permission for myself, to give myself permission to try this. And for anyone listening who has had an idea before and you're not really sure how to start it and like, you know, what are the first steps I should take? There was a time when I couldn't even imagine how to start a podcast. And now I'm 12 episodes in and it feels like the most natural thing, like I've done it my whole life. And so that I really, you know, have to credit a lot of that to Bobby. And if you want her support (laughs) in bringing a dream to fruition, she is your woman. My goodness, thank you so much. <laughs> um, I imagine any sort of thank you so much for that acknowledgement, and I imagine any sort of links to connect with me are going to be included in the description of this podcast. Absolutely, because because again, the core essence of what we're doing here is creating a space to dream and creating a space where we can have vision and have permission to let that exist versus only focusing on the can'ts and the shoulds and the don'ts and the won'ts. So um, that is a space that you've, again, held for me, but I hope to hold for anyone who's listening to this. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Founding Mothers Podcast. This podcast is produced and hosted by me, Emily Race, and edited by Eric Weisberg. If you want to support the show, please leave us a rating or share this episode with the important people in your life. We'd also love to hear from you if you or someone you know would be a great guest to share about their vision for the world. You can email emily at founding-mothers.com or visit www.founding-mothers.com podcast.